Welcome to the Anod Wright audio blog. Your voiceover diva is Dr. Donna Oriolo. Please note that the information found in this and other blog posts is a matter of researched opinion. Direct your concerns or questions to questions at anodwright.com. Direct your comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag AnodWrightSpeaks. Warning, content on the audio blog may be different from the written blog. My thoughts too fast and my mouth too quick. Sorry, not sorry. We are feeling so official over here. You can now catch us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple News Channel, and of course, anodwrite.com. Check your favorite space and subscribe. Leaving some feedback wouldn't be unwelcome either. Hey, hey, y'all. This week's blog post is called Napoli Ever After, a critical black sex therapist review. Written by yours truly, Dr. Donna Oriolo, for October 5th, 2018. I feel like I have been talking and attempting to write about the Netflix movie, Napoli Ever After, a lot lately. In Sex Talk After Dark, Shayla Tumbling and I discussed the movie and the impact of hair on sexuality. I'm glad to have had the discussion, but I have been wondering why this movie is so darn hard to write about. For those who have seen it, feel free to proceed. For those who haven't and are okay with spoilers, you do the same. If However, you are not into spoilers in any way. It might be time to hit the X in the upper left because spoilers are definitely ahead. Here's a basic movie synopsis. The movie is based on a book of the same name written by Trisha Thomas from back in 2001. I mentioned that date because I've heard someone say that the title sounds a little early 2000s and was sort of cringeworthy. <laughs> anyway, we follow Violet, who has a good-looking partner, a great job, and a beautiful home. However, when her man of two years gives her a dog instead of an engagement ring, in the great words of Chinua Achebe, things fall apart. Some things I liked about the movie that were even mentioned in Sex Talk After Dark IG Live with Shayla was something she said, that there was a coming-of-age energy to the movie. And it did feel like a coming-of-age film. There was the whole peeling back the layers to better understand myself sort of vibe. I really dug that. I think it's a good reminder that you can discover and rediscover things about yourself at any age. Other than that, I was digging the light energy of the movie and how it was just fun to watch. I don't think that gets enough credit sometimes. Because everything we see isn't actually fun. I also love that this is a whole ass movie talking about natural hair and what can often be a tumultuous decision making process. I even like that in the end, she was Napoli ever after by herself, proving that you can be exactly enough for you. However, overall, I found this movie to be lacking. One thing they touched on that I was sure was about to rock this whole movie was the intergenerational feelings of shame and perfection regarding hair. Now, it has been pointed out that there was the generation of Violet's mama to her and then from Violet to Zoe, but for me, this rings false. While we get to see Violet's journey in a sense, we are very much missing out on the meaningful intergenerational exchange. It was only lightly spoken about and not more deeply explored. This was a miss because so many folks have hair stories that very much include mothers, 
grandmothers, aunties, friends, as well as people they have pined for, usually male others. Many people have spoken about how their mother's expectations shaped the very way they thought of themselves and how that tradition of scrutinizing your black self according to white supremacist standards of beauty still lives in their actions, likes, and dislikes. I thought this was almost a story about that intergenerational shame and pain passed down through our tresses. They tease us, but don't feed us. That's the real tragedy of this movie. For me, there is another missed layer in this conversation, which left me feeling like they took the easy way out. Allow me to set it up and then break it down, though only a little. Now, there is a hierarchy to beauty in the U.S. and abroad that favors whiteness over blackness, light eyes over dark eyes, straighter hair over tightly coiled hair, etc., etc., etc. Basically, a list that favors Eurocentric beauty ideals as the standard for all others to emulate at varying degrees of success. This hierarchy is known and felt especially in the black community. Black girls as young as age six understand the social value of lighter skin and straighter good hair. Keeping that in mind, it felt like it was too easy for the production company to pick a lighter person to play the role of a woman coming into her natural own. While some people would argue that Sanaa Lathan is not light, I argue that she is an acceptable color in Negrodom and thus has some level of privilege just the same. This movie left me wondering how it would have been received if the main character was dark skinned. Would this movie be different if the character had 4BC hair? Because there is rhetoric that would say your hair length and texture can save you from your dark skin or that your skin tone can save you from your hair length and texture. If the violet had been darker, would we have seen the shaving of her head as more tragic or prolific because she would not be able to lean on her coloring? If the darker best friend of violet had short hair, would she still have read on screen as beautiful? The thing is, I and others are going to be left with these type of questions because we still, in a sense, are not seeing ourselves reflected. While TV moves toward being more diverse in some ways, there's still an element of acceptable black beauty, which quite frankly has white supremacist leanings. Sexuality matters. The critical black sex therapist that I am, though happy to see any representation at all, of hair and skin tone is still dissatisfied, especially given that I work specifically with black women who are dealing with some level of issue as it relates to hair texture and skin tone in relation to their foremothers. Stories are being told and brought to the forefront, but we are only getting a portion of the story. This story and the knowledge that we need more is important to sexuality because sexuality is who you are from birth till death. It is how you present in the world. It is how you are received in the world, and it is how you feel about the presentation of your body, about yourself, based on what mama, media, and the underlying rhetoric already says about you. So if you are not included because you are too dark, too fat, too kinky haired, then what does that also say? Media representation continues to matter in the crux of sex and sexuality for the healing of those hurt, but especially for young girls of color. And if we continue to see and say that you have to be lighter to be beautiful or have straighter hair or longer hair, or that the only way that you should accept your natural hair is if its texture is, 
or its length or, or your skin tone are working for you, then we run the risk of continuing the same white supremacist, capitalist, heteronormative, patriarchal hegemony. Subscribe to the blog on anodright.com and subscribe to the podcast at anodright. Don't forget to direct your comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag anodrightspeaks, A-N-N-O-D-R-I-G-H-T-S-P-E-A-K-S. All right, y'all. Till next time.